We don't know why that woman is ignoring us or leaving us out of her group. We don't know what pain she has. We don't know her story. And the more we give people the opportunity to tell their story, to be real and vulnerable, first of all, it's contagious. Like more and more people will start to open up and say, hey, I connect with that too. But also people surprise you when you give them the chance to be themselves. Welcome to More Than Small Talk. We're Susie Eller, Jennifer Watson, and Holly Gerth, writers and real life friends. We're inviting you to go deeper, become freer, and feel more connected. So imagine you have a cup of coffee, a mug of tea, or a green smoothie in your hand, and we're all hanging out in your favorite place together. Hey, More Than Small Talk friends. We have a guest with us today, Jen Schultz. So she speaks about messy faith, shaking off shame and pursuing God's purpose confidently. She's a wife and mama who reads too many books at once and loves decaf coffee. Is that a typo, Jen? No, <laughs> Is that supposed to say decaf? I could not give up coffee completely. So I yes. To, had to switch. To I understand that for my mental health. <laughs> At least have some, a warm mug in your hand, right? I think that's a lot of it. I actually do right now. Yes. <laughs> Can't go without. Yes. And she is the author of a new book. She's not your enemy conquering our insecurities so we can build God's kingdom together. So thank you for being with us, Jen. Thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to chatting with you and catching up on old episodes and just excited. Yeah. You know, Jen, I'm really excited about not just the title of your book, She's Not Your Enemy, but the content of it and the heart behind it. So could you share why you wrote this book and what you hoped might happen as we read it? Uh, Well, you write the book that you need or that you needed. And that was very true for me in this case. I uh, I really set out to write a book about comparison. I felt like it was such a big issue for me. And I know I'm not the only one. You always see those memes on Instagram of, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. And I would get so frustrated by that because I was like, well, if I could stop, I would. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. Like, I, I just can't. Uh, I feel like I'm constantly, you know, weighing myself out against other people. And as as I dug more into it, I realized it wasn't really about comparison. It was so much more to do with my own insecurity and trying to get my identity from uh, looking at people around me and looking at how well they were doing or how well I thought they were doing and comparing myself to them. And it just it led to this downward spiral. And I realized that I was asking a lot of these really deep, meaningful important questions like, you know, who am I? Am I loved? Am I valuable? Uh, Do I have a purpose? And I was asking those questions of other people, really. I wasn't going to God with them. And everything changed when I started bringing those questions to God and saying, I need to be identified by who God says I am. I also need to know who God is so that I can know who is giving me my identity. And uh, that really changed everything for me. And that's uh, where I started with this book, I kept going back into, you know, who is God and what does he say about you? And my hope is that women are going to go through this book and kind of do do the the heart work of dealing with those insecurities so we can get out of our own way when it comes to relationships with other people. Mm, Um, I think when when we're building our own kingdoms and we're working so hard and spinning our wheels, 
of course, we're going to be against one another. Of course, it's going to feel like it's me versus her. But when we're building God's kingdom and we're doing that together, we're all on the same team so we can cheer each other on. Yeah. And I love that before you dive into that, which is most of the book, one thing in the introduction that was really helpful to me is you kind of explained why biologically we compare in the first place. Because we do, I feel like women shame ourselves for comparing and like you said, feel unable to shut it off. So can you explain that to us? Like, what is the, I'm the brain science nerd on the podcast who always wants to know that part of it. Can you explain what you found in the research about why do our brains do this in the first place? And some ways it can be helpful, right? Like there's a healthy side of it. So can you just cover that for us? And then we'll dig a lot deeper into what you said about God's identity and how do we heal this? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely becoming a brain scientist. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm working on it. The more I find out and the more that I see how it aligns with scripture, it's just incredible. But this in particular, I think, you know, there's healthy forms of competition, right? There's like the Olympics. It's it's fairly healthy. Hopefully people don't take it to a, a bad extreme, but there's, you know, we're we're kind of competing in a good way and trying to prove the best we can be and all of that. And uh, it's the same with comparison. Like there's a healthy aspect and then there's a point where it turns into really unhealthy and toxic. Um, So talking about the healthy part, um, it was, again, something I realized that it comes so naturally to me. I compare myself to other people so naturally. And I I found out that in the 60s, there was a, I want to say probably a sociologist. I'm not sure what his official title was, but his name was Leon Festinger. And he uh, studied out social comparison. And what he found was that it's something that we do naturally because we're looking for where we belong, like who our people are. It's something that we do to figure out what we have to contribute to others and how other people can help us. And uh, it's also something that we use for motivation. Like we'll see somebody else and be like, wow, she's, you know, in this stage of her life, but she's also going after this. And that inspires me. I can go after that too. And uh, so I, I, it was really cool to discover that comparison is not just this unhealthy, toxic thing necessarily, but there is a point at which you can get to uh, get from one point to another. Yeah, that's good. That was really helpful to me because I think we're usually told like, get rid of this completely, you know, and then you try and you fail. And so it's just really helpful to be like, oh, this isn't about elimination of comparison. It's about transformation of comparison. And that feels doable. Yeah. 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 I, I love keep thinking that. of uh, don't let your mind be conformed to the patterns of this world. Yes. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Like it's not something shameful that we have to cover up or change quickly. It's something that we can, we can use. It's a tool that we can use in a good way to help us with the people around us. Yeah. yeah. Well, you described a part of your journey that you were proving yourself to be a good Christian and that there was a, a shift or a change to just being authentically with God. So was there a moment when seeds were planted that made you question that you belonged? Well, I write about in the book this one time, and I still feel silly sharing it because it's it's such this this little thing, but it really, it was a seed. It really buried itself in my brain and started uh, coming out in different ways. Um, It was this moment that I was playing with my friends. I was, you know, probably seven or eight. I don't know. And I was kind of running wild and being myself and not really thinking about anything in particular. And one of the girls in our group 
kind of stopped everybody. I remember there being this, this kind of silence. And she was like, Jen, you're so weird. Mm -hmm. And everybody started giggling. And I kind of stood there for a minute and I was like, I guess so. And, and what translated in that moment for me was, you know, you're the oddball. You're the, Mm. you're the strange one, the one that doesn't fit and doesn't belong. How embarrassing for you that you didn't know that. And I started taking that, that thinking with me everywhere I went, I was Mm. like, you know, in the classroom, like, I I can't speak up because I'm the weird one. And I don't, I don't want everybody to know that. So I better stay quiet. And this stayed with me for years. I would, you know, I would move to new schools and still be the quiet, like insecure one, because I I just couldn't break out of that thinking that I didn't want to be exposed as being the strange, unusual oddball. And so it made me very quiet. It shut me down and it kept me silent for a really long time. And, um, and it, it translated, I think, even into my, my walk with God is I don't want to be the odd one out. I don't want to be the weak one. I don't want to be the faithless one. So I better put on this mask. I better put on this identity that says that I have it all together because I don't want anybody to suspect that I'm struggling. So a lot of that was, uh, were things that I shared in this book was, was just figuring out my identity, figuring out how to take off that mask and really wanting that for other people because it just becomes this burden. Eventually I got to this point where I was so burned out of trying to keep up the appearance. And I I hate that for other women. I'm so grateful that I was able to kind of break through that in a lot of ways. I'm still working on it, but was able to break through that in a lot of ways. I think what I'm hearing you say is that seed not only impacted you and your relationship with others and, and your voice, but that somehow it also made you want to be the good Christian to, you know, that same seed that says you can't just be authentically who you are with God. Is that something that you think a lot of us struggle with? Being authentic with God. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. I mean, I think we, we just live in this society where we have to prove so much. It feels like we, we constantly have to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We have to be independent women. We have to have all the things together. And I think we carry that into our relationship with God in so many ways. Um, yeah. We say, well, you know, I have to have to make God happy. I have to earn grace. I have to prove that I belong here. And I definitely have had those thoughts before. I definitely used to see God that way as some kind of disappointed boss where I was Mm -hmm. always letting him down and he was shaking his head at me. And that was a big part of having to to break through all of these, you know, approval seeking and comparison and people pleasing was just going back to who God really was. One of the things I write about in this book is just how compassionate is one of the first ways he introduces himself to us you know, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. Like this is how he describes himself. If I was God, I would probably say, well, I'm pretty powerful and I'm pretty important. (laughs) (laughs) And that's not how he introduces himself to us. He introduces himself in a way that's relational, that he sees us, that he cares about us, that he walks with us. Yeah. And it changed everything when I went from the God who was disappointed in me all the time and shaking his head and I could never live up to to his standards to compassionate right there with us, loving us, gracious, like yeah. longing to be gracious to us. What yeah. an incredible thing. Yeah. Um, and I think I think that when we start to see ourselves through God's eyes, it helps us to see others through God's eyes as well. There's a real a real change there. Yeah. And you do talk so much about compassion in the book. And 
Will you share a bit more about that? I feel like we talk a lot about empathy these days, but compassion sort of like a little more neglected. So as we're talking about that, I just want to make sure that everyone knows like the Jen Schultz version of compassion, you know, like tell us more about that and what you discovered. And like Sue says, how does that start transforming our relationships, particularly with other women, since that's what you're writing about? Well, I looked into empathy and compassion and sympathy because those are all kind of words we use interchangeably. Mm -hmm. And sympathy, what I found was that sympathy was more of like, I, I can understand why you feel that way. Like I'm looking at your situation. I get it. That makes sense. Empathy is a little bit more involved. It's like, well, I feel, I feel with you. Yeah, that must be painful. That's really hard. And then compassion is like deeper. It's like both of the two, but deeper. It's like, I'm feeling this with you. I'm going through this with you. I will sit with you through this. And this is the word that's used to describe God. Gosh, I can't even remember. It's in the book. I think it's at least over 85 times that the word compassion is used in the Bible. And almost all of them are talking about God or Jesus. And I find that such a fascinating Mm -hmm. thing. Again, it's just, this is who God wants to be identified as. He wants to be identified by his compassion with us that he, he feels with us. He actually became a human so he could live like us and experience life like us and actually goes through life with us. Um, What an incredible thing. He doesn't just stand at a distance and say, Oh, maybe I could understand that. Or yeah, I guess I could kind of feel that he's right in there with us. Mm -hmm. And that just, it, it does, it changes the way that you look at yourself and it changes the way that you look at other people around you. Um, There's a whole chapter in the book about the woman who is going through something you can't understand. And uh, it can be, it can be so hard to relate to people in their pain, but I, I love that God does that. He, he gets right on our eye level and looks right at us and and goes through the pain with us. And that's something that we can learn how to do as we grow closer to him and others. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that you walk readers through some scenarios, including the woman who may not include you the woman who has what you want, and the woman who disagrees with you, why do you think it's so easy to get caught up in those scenarios? You know, something as I was kind of coming up with the concept of this book was I I kept thinking about these specific women, and I kept kind of writing them off, you know, like, oh, she's, she's got what I want. She's got it all together. You know, how could I ever relate to her? How could I ever connect to her? And the more I kind of dove into these characters, the more I realized there's always so much going on that we can't see. Right. And we, we don't know, like, we don't know what it took for that woman to get there. We don't know why that woman is ignoring us or leaving us out of her group. We don't know what pain she has. We don't know her story. And the more we give people the opportunity to tell their story, to be real and vulnerable, first of all, it's contagious. Like more and more people will start to open up and say, Hey, I connect with that too. But also people surprise you when you give them the chance to be themselves. I know I, I love feeling that way. I love when people invite me to actually be myself and to, to take off the mask and to not have to be a certain way or to act a certain way. And that's what I want to be for other people. And that's what I'm hoping that that we'll start to be able to generate a culture of being safe around each other, being able mm-hmm. to, to share what's really going on um, yeah. so that we stop being these kind of stereotypes where we're at odds with each other. And I like that you address that, like called out like the different women in our lives who might trigger us because it sort of, again, relieves some shame 
Because my initial, when I have a feeling that I don't want to have toward another woman, my initial reaction is, oh, suppress that right now. Like you are supposed to love everyone. You're (laughs) supposed to like everyone. You are supposed to feel warmly toward every woman in your life at every moment of the day, you know? And so like, I think it's helpful to be like, oh, this isn't about this one woman. This is about a sort of role that I perceive her in. Mm-hmm. that affects me somehow, how I perceive myself somehow, which you talk about, that it's really about our identity, not about these other women. And then I can let go of that shame and start doing some emotional work around my own identity. So I think that's sort of a helpful hack that I gathered from the approach of your book is like yeah. if someone's <laughs> listening and they're like, oh, I sometimes have uncomfortable feelings toward other women, but I feel so much shame when I do that I can't even address it. Just get curious instead, which I think curiosity is part of compassion to say, Mm -hmm. okay, like this isn't really about her. This is about something going on in my identity. And so I just wanted to sort of take a verbal highlighter across that uh, a part of your book, you know, for women who are listening and um, say that I think that's a helpful hack for us. Yeah. And there's there's probably somebody listening right now that says, listen, you know, I, I do feel rejected or I do feel hurt, or I am feeling lonely, um, what are some things, some practices, or, or things that you've learned in your own life that you can share with our friend? It's interesting that you use the word hack, Holly, because I, I feel like it, it doesn't feel like a hack. It feels like a lot of hard work and a lot of internal work. And so when people ask, you know, what are some practicals, it can be kind of hard to, to get there um, because you, you have to be doing this kind of daily work with God. Um, but I really, I, I think it's so important to kind of go back to the basics, to be in there with God, to be close to him, find out more about him, dig into the scriptures, have those scriptures that are kind of anchors for you that you keep going back to when you start to question your identity, you start to feel insecure when you start to compare. Um, I think that is, is a practical that can be very helpful. And then, um, as far as kind of your view of other women and, and interacting with them. I think it's really important to have your people around you that you can be safe and be open with, you know, not in a gossipy, like, well, she did all this kind of thing or comparison in that, in that way. Like that's, that's just comparison in a different venue, but but just saying, you know, I, I hurt over this. I, it hurts that she has this thing that I want. Um, it hurts that she left me out and, and being able to be real about that and start to, to generate that vulnerability. Because I think one of Satan's biggest tactics is to say you're alone and nobody else understands. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more that you're vulnerable, the more we realize we're not alone and we were wired for community. We need each other. We need to be there for each other. We need to, to fill in the gaps for each other. Our comfort overflows so that we can comfort each other. I think having your people like really important, uh, yeah. being vulnerable creating a safe space for other people and allowing them to be vulnerable as well. Praying. I had a conversation with someone this week about when you see somebody who has something that you want praying for them, start with that. (laughs) Start with, wow, this must be a huge thing for them. I'm excited for them. I feel feelings of my own and I will work that out with you, God, but I want to pray for this person. And uh, they're clearly like working towards their goal of building your kingdom and I cheer them on and I want to, I want to be excited for them. So I'm praying for them as well. So I think those are some of the practicals that that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And you also put some practical things at the end of every chapter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell us about that. 
Yeah, well, it was really, I loved how our publisher wanted to do this book because it not only has my writing and my words, but at the end, there are questions to go through. There are, um, you can write out your prayers to God, just remind yourself of who God is again and again and again. Um, There are some guided questions. There's videos that go with every chapter, which is really fun. But yeah, I loved, I loved kind of starting with the, the God theology, getting back to good theology, working back to how that relates to you and your insecurities, working into how can we um, make this practical in our lives with other women. And so uh, I feel like there's something there for every kind of learner. If you learn from videos, there's videos there. If you learn from journaling, there's journal pages there. So a little bit of everything. I like that. I, I first got to know you by following you on Twitter, I guess now called X. Um, and <laughs> whatever, it is. And, yeah, whatever it is. And, and I think what I, I liked about it is you had a lightheartedness that you brought to it that was just funny and sweet. But if we're honest, so- social media can be, man, it can feel harsh and hard. And there's a lot of online disagreements. And so I, I, how do we bring a balance to that? Because I know this is a question I ask myself is, how can I, because we're triggered, right? We're triggered by what we see. How can I bring you to the table, Jesus? <laughs> but also, how can I honor my sister online? You know, because it, it feels like some are just thrown to the lions and there's these weird disagreements about stuff that honestly, in the end, don't matter at all. Is, how do we balance that? Or is that even our job? Gosh. I think it kind of starts with having really good boundaries around social media for yourself. Yeah. I think um, it's it's such a place where if we don't have boundaries, we're going to get lost in our comparison. We'll get lost in all the the curated things that somebody else is doing. And it becomes that kind of toxic comparison space. Um, it's just, just ideal for that. It's set up for that, really, um, where we just get lost in this role. And uh, it, it's really important to be able to to know where the triggers are, to put the phone down, to block or mute if you have to. Mm -hmm. Have those good social media boundaries for yourself and make sure that those are in place because that will make a huge difference on how you approach social media. But another thing would just be talking to people in in real life, (laughs) getting getting off of social media and having the conversations in real life. Because I know things just get volatile from behind a computer screen and people feel braver and they feel like they they can say the things. Um, I know I've been there. I have said things that I regret now, um, started controversy that I didn't need to start because I felt like I was doing the right thing. And I felt like I was crusading for someone when really I was actually hurting somebody else. And I didn't have good boundaries. So that started there. But then I think also uh, being able to take it offline or take it more one-on-one in a different way, make it not so public and really talk to people, uh, encourage people to tell their stories, listen really well. Um, there's a whole chapter in the book about uh, shalom and people's well-being and how that that's, that's God's desire for us is to everybody to be at a place of well-being. And I used to think of peace so much more as like conflict management. Like we, oh, let's make sure we're not fighting with each other because that's not godly, you know, like just whatever we have to do to kind of smooth things over so everybody's status quo. And that's really not what peace is. Peace, True peace is at wanting everyone's well-being, caring about everyone's well-being. And I think once we start to have that as our mindset, instead of let's just not fight, 
it turns into a whole different thing. Like, let me, let me think about what's best for your well-being. Let me be a safe space for you. Let me listen to what you're actually saying before I start disagreeing or start proving my point. Mm -hmm. I think those things can make a really big difference. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that really is your book is she's not your enemy. And so when we move past that, we move into a place of peace with each other, I think. You know, even if it's just internal peace, sometimes the other person might not even know that there's right. a war going on, <laughs> you know, a oh war within God. ourselves as we, we work through the thoughts and feelings that we're having around our own identities in relation to that person. And so I th- love that we're wrapping up talking about peace, because I think that that is the goal for us mm-hmm. with Jesus and with each other is to come to that place of deeper peace, like you described it, that shalom where we know who we are and we know who God is. And out of that, we can honor who each other are too. Yeah. Yeah. So Jen, how can people find out more about this book? She's not your enemy. How can they find you? And are there any last words you want to share? Not like last words. like (laughs) Final Final words words (laughs) that you want to share. Well, you can find the book pretty much anywhere. It's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, bookshop, uh, Christian book, all, all the places. So I'd love for you to take a look and uh, would love for, for listeners to interact with me on social media. I love to connect. Um, I love the kind of messages back and forth and all of that. That that means a lot to me to really connect with people on social media and make it social. Uh, so I'm at Jen Schultz author pretty much everywhere, uh, except on, on X or on Twitter, which I actually don't spend a lot of time there anymore, Me either. but uh, <laughs> it's, it's become a different thing. Yeah. I love threads. Find me on threads. I'm on the, yes. <laughs> but I, yeah, I just love, I love making social media social. So I would love to interact with, with listeners there. And I think if I had anything to leave you with, I would just say, go back to who God is and what he says about you. Uh, when you're, when you're lost in the comparison game, when you're lost in striving or hustle, Um, set those things aside, take some time just between you and God, get to know who he is, what he says about himself, what he says about you. It will make all the difference in your walk with him. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for chatting with me. This has been great. And that's it for today's episode. Thanks for going deeper, becoming freer and connecting with us. More Than Small Talk is a part of the KLRC Podcast Network and is produced by Kara Culver. Show notes and resources are available on the More Than Small Talk page on klrc.com. You can also join us in our Facebook group. Subscribe to More Than Small Talk on your favorite app so you won't ever miss an episode.